Look, in the beginning, um, a lot of the male photographers, and most of them were male, would say to me, oh, yes, I used to photograph babies when I was first starting out. Um, with, the, yeah, with the implication that then they went on to something more important. It drives wives wicked. It makes such a golden brown pot. It must be lots of fun to be a mother. I've got something to apologize for. I wore my good suit because it was plain and neat. Afraid of not knowing what is proper? This yellow fluffo is such a short shortening. Hi, I'm Susan Osman, and this is Being There, Done That, a show about women who are shaping our world. They're not just striving, but thriving. Experienced, smart women who are redefining what it means to be a woman in the workplace. You know I can't work without a good breakfast. All right, class, stop typing, please. All right, class, stop typing, please. This week, I talked to one of these women, Anne Geddes. She's an international, globally recognised photographer. And this is a bit of an understatement because she's regarded to be the most famous baby photographer in the world and best-selling. Geddes' books have been published in more than 80 countries, spanning five continents, selling more than 18 million books and translated into 24 languages. Her images adorn greeting cards, calendars and stationery. In fact, she's so well known, she's been referenced in popular comedy shows like the US series Friends and the Canadian Schitt's Creek. And she joins me now. Hi, Anne. Hi, lovely to be here talking to you. Uh, fantastic. You know, I actually saw the episode of Friends when Joey Trebbiani sees one of your photos on the wall and complains about it. And he's told, oh, that's an Anne Geddes. So Joey being Joey thinks it's the name of the baby. <laughs> and, and, and then in the Canadian, in the Canadian sitcom in Schitt's Creek, Moira Rose says she's collaborating with you on a heartburn. Advertisement. Now you know you're you've hit the the hot the high times when you're you're referencing two very well known comedy shows. How, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, at the time I I, I had never watched Shit's Creek um, and I never watched Friends, so <laughs> I was a bit amused by it. But um, the image on Friends that I, I know was a little baby called Taylor who was in a water lily, and I'll just quickly tell you a little story because Taylor and her family were big friends. Fans, right? And yeah. Taylor at the time was um, probably in a first one or two years of school. So the next day she goes into class and stands up and announces, I was on Friends last night. And the teacher's <laughs> like, Oh, okay. And yeah, sure. And she's like, No, but I was. <laughs> little thing, nobody believed her. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, you're incredibly well known, and it's a great privilege to have you on uh, Been There, Done That. But of course, life started uh, for you very differently when you grew up on a ranch in Queensland, one of five girls. What was life like on a ranch? Well, uh, the, in Australia, they call them cattle stations. Um, and, you know, it was just normal. I mean, kids always think whatever their life is, is normal, like what everybody else does. Um, and, you know, I always imagined my life to be um, a continuation of that sort of world. Um, and now here I am in New York City, you know, in Midtown on the 42nd floor of a concrete jungle, um, whereas, you know, my childhood was riding horses and rounding up cattle and that sort of thing. Why didn't you start photographing cattle and horses? What, what was it that, about babies that so fascinated you? 
Well, you know, I was born in 1956 and um, when I was at school, uh, there were no photography courses, right? And I always joke, like I never picked up a camera until I was 25, seriously. Um, and I always joke that I was the first photographer that I ever met because, <laughs> you know, it's in the, in the north of Australia, um, you know, I went to a small country school um, and um, you know, then in, in high school there were just no photography courses. So it just wasn't put in front of me. And, you know, you you hear a lot if you listen to conversations like this of people in different professions um, being introduced in some way to this as a child, but that never happened for me. But when I was in my teenage years and, uh, you know, Life magazine was in its heyday, um, I used to buy Life magazine and and I was fascinated by the fact that um, photojournalists at the time were basically telling a story purely through the use of imagery. And, and I was fascinated by, um, you know, people being in, in these um, images and, and that storytelling factor. So what you're saying is you were self-taught. There was no one mentoring you, no one who kind of told you how to frame shots or how to process film or anything like that. You were self-taught. Yes, definitely. Definitely. But, you know, I followed a passion. And and I think that if anybody who's following a passion will, um, that that's a great natural guide, I'd say. And that that is my passion, you know, photographing life. You know, people call me a baby photographer, but I think I'm a storyteller about life and and the the cycles of nature and how we're all caught up in that um, that sense of moving forward all the time. I think it's interesting that I mean, although we were, I was joking a little bit about friends at the beginning uh, that you actually remembered the baby's name. So that tells me that you obviously really connect with your subjects when you take their photographs. Oh, sure. And and, and it's almost like Little Taylor, the water lily baby um, that a lot of people who are listening here will recognise. Um, you know, to me, they're, they're locked in time as babies, right? And, and, you know, I can tell you an interesting story that in in relation to this because in 1993, um, in a NICU unit in in um, a hospital in Auckland in New Zealand, and now I'm Australian, but we lived in New Zealand for 18 years. Um, and I photographed this tiny little premature baby called Manisha um, in the huge hands of a gentleman named Jack. And um, at the time, she weighed 2.2 pounds. She was very tiny. And uh, she's now a photographer in her own right. And at one stage, she interned for me in my uh, no then studio. In, yeah, yeah, in Australia. And she was 18 at the time. And so it was a Friday night and I'd just finished a shoot and Manisha and the crew were all sitting around. And I said, oh, who'd, who'd like a glass of wine? And Manisha said, oh, yeah, I'll have one. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> glass of wine. She said, I'm 18, Anne, you know. So I see them frozen in time in those images all the way back then and it was just kind of quite disturbing to see Yeah, that. I can <laughs> sitting, imagine. Sitting there, yeah, sipping on a glass of wine. When you get your subjects, these absolutely gorgeous babies that you photograph, do you audition or are they, are they friends of yours or are they babies you happen to come upon? How, how do you collect your – because you must have, into uh, uh, photograph thousands of babies. Well, yes, and I and I don't audition. Um, most of the early images that um, you know I've been so well known for 
were way before the internet even, you know, and people used to post in photographs of their babies, right, or call my studio manager. You know, we'd get calls like um, I'd hear Natalie, my studio manager, going, oh, congratulations, and when was he born? And this person says at 4 o'clock, you know, and it's 5.30. It's, it can be quite stressful photographing babies and, and yet in a charming way. Um, there's a lot of positivity to it, but you just never know what you're going to get, right? And so, um, you know, for instance, a little baby who's lying in the bed of roses with the big smile. Do you know that one? Yeah, um, I do. Yeah, her name's Philippa. And um, we called that image cheesecake because it was just so cheesy, you know, but the way that came about, right? And, be, and, and I'm just trying to get to the point where babies give you something of themselves right and when they really give you something it's like a gift it's like oh my god you just you got to snatch it out of the air right and and it's and it's something like for instance this story with philippa will explain it a little bit better and she was actually a portrait client um and her mother lived a few hours the family lived a few hours out of auckland um and had a beautiful rose garden and so a couple of days before the shoot, I called her to, you know, make some plans. What what shall we do? And her mother said, oh, well, I can bring some roses if you like, right? And I said, oh, that's wonderful, you know, bring a couple of beautiful roses or a whole lot of roses. And so lo and behold, a couple of days later, she bought like three or four buckets full of these magnificent, you know, the beautiful roses that grow in gardens and not in yes. flower stores, you know, the, with a gorgeous smell and so anyway, um, I walked out into the reception at, in the studio and this little Philippa was like eight months old, sitting on the carpet in this little pink dress and looked up. Her mother was, went down to the car to bring up more roses. And Philippa looked up at me with this smile that's in that image, right? And I, I said to her mother, oh, my God, that is adorable, right? And her mother said, oh, God, I hate it when she smiles like that, right? But if you want her to do that, all you have to do is imitate her so there I was up in the ceiling written this is quite difficult Susan because you've got a camera in front of your face right? of course yeah and I'm photographing, photographing down a hole um, on a um, shelf in the ceiling trying to do that smile right and Philip is kind of looking at me like god you're a weirdo um, <laughs> and then but then all of a sudden she smiled like that and you just got to grab it right just like that and her whole body position was there and she was holding on to a rose and with this gorgeous smile. Um, and that image becomes timeless, right? Because, yeah. you know, you can have the most beautiful set, the most beautiful idea or concept, and until the baby comes in to that situation, and it's similar with Taylor in the water lily when she's looking up at me with that beautiful face, right, um, it, it, sometimes it, it really comes alive. Well, one of the things that really strikes me about your photographs, and I think it's without exception, there's joy in them. That's what I think that distinguishes your photographs from any other photographer I've ever come across in my life. It's the joy. How do you set about, because I know you you do props sometimes. We've heard about how the mother brought the flowers. But how do you manage to maintain the joy without being kind of saccharine sweet? Because and if you say babies, flowers, flower pots, water leaves, you might think it's a bit kind of sugary, but you, you avoid that completely. Well, you've got to have respect for the babies, right? Um, 
whenever I'm photographing babies, I see them as characters in a story. And um, I still do now and with huge respect for them because they are incredibly powerful little people, you know, um, and, and they bring such joy to people. They, they instantly make mothers and fathers and, and create families and, and they put smiles on people's faces and allow us to have a concept of everything's going to be okay, right? Because life keeps going on. And it's like even through these COVID times and babies are being born every single day and bringing joy to people. Yeah, and, and, and babies are, as you say, they're, they're the, they give us hope, don't they? Because they're, they're, they're yet unformed. They're kind of, it's something pure about a baby, isn't there? There, there is something pure. And it's only um, as they get older and, and, and their experiences create their personalities and, and, you know, other people put ideas into their minds. Right at that moment, right in the first year, um, there is no such thing as a mean-spirited baby, no. right? They just they don't exist. So babies do not know how to be mean-spirited, right? They're just totally open. And I think that's, um, that's part of their magic and, and their gift. I find joy in children and, and babies. That's what keeps me going. But I used to do two portraits a day, five days a week, um, and I was starting to get, really um just a little bit jaded you know it's like I needed to do something for myself and so I decided that once a month I would just do a an image purely for me right where I didn't have to um be saying to or having parents say oh but they're not smiling or you know and so on so I said to myself, right, that's what you're going to do, Anne. Once a month, something just for yourself. And the first two images that I did, um, people will recognize the little cabbage twins, yeah. um, Reese and Grant, um, and a, a black and white image of a, a baby called Joshua who was hanging in some fabric. I happened to be off a meat hook at the time, but that was the way they weighed babies. Um, the Plunkett Society Um in the UK is also in uh, New Zealand. And that was the way they used to weigh babies, right? So I did these two images and I remember, I think the first one was the black and white image of Joshua um, who was asleep um, um, in this calico fabric. And um, after I printed it that day, I remember the moment I took it home and put this print on my dining table. And I remember looking at it saying, I really like that. And it doesn't matter if somebody else doesn't, right? I really like that. And that's what that's what clicked in. Um, and that's when I started to, yeah, and, and someone would say, you, you should do some greeting cards, you should do some calendars, and, and it, it kept going like that. We said, you know, it's a, a long, a long way from the uh, from C Queensland when you were with the horses and the cattle. What sort of bumps have you come across along the way, and, and what has been the the best learning for you in your life to date? 
Well, the big learning curve was my um, 10 years. This is in relation to my career, right? Um, was the 10 years of doing portraits, right? Because, um, you know, it's difficult to relate to a child who considers you a stranger. And you have to be a bit of a psychologist, right? And I learned how to do that through those 10 years um, of dealing with children of different ages, um, understanding what makes them tick, what what they don't like, um, what will bring them out. Um, I mean, there's a vast difference between photographing a newborn to a six-month-old to a 12-month-old and, of course, there's notorious two-year-olds. Um, and, and so now when I walk into a studio, I know that, you know, I've done my 10,000 hours, so to speak, um, that I will always come out of it with something because I know how to manage those situations. Um, and so, you know, that, that has been, my career has been a huge learning curve. The world of photography always strikes me as being very male dominated, uh, which not so much now, perhaps. But how did you fare, certainly in the beginning, being a, a female amongst other photographers, or were you, did you just do your own thing and didn't really take much notice of prejudice? Look, in the beginning, um, a lot of the male photographers, and most of them were male, would say to me, Oh, yes, I used to photograph babies when I was first starting out. Um, with the, yeah, with the implication that then they went on to something more important. Um, but, you know, at, as the years have gone by, I have not felt any sexism in this world that I'm in, right? Um, because, you know, I work with um, men on my crews and, um, you know, a lot of friends who are photographers and there's huge respect for each other. It, it, I, I understand what you're getting at and I've listened to some of the women that you've spoken to um, and who have experienced that sort of thing, but I really didn't, right? Um, I, I, I must say, I really didn't. I want to ask you, why is it that with video being kind of the, the up-and-coming medium that we're all after, why is it that the still image still holds its magic? What do you think it is about the still image? Still image is so strong, um, and I think it's stronger than video because it's a, it's that moment in time. And, you know, I always strive to make people stop. With my images even today, there's so much imagery around Instagram, people scrolling and scrolling, and I've got to make them stop, right, and and think, oh, my God, look at that, right? And and that's that's the job of the artist, and that's what I'm trying to do constantly is make people stop and look and and reflect on what the image is telling them and 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 a still image can tell different stories to different people what i really love about what i do is walking in to an empty studio and what this is what i do every time i shoot right and i think here's this empty space at the end of the day Something has going is going to be creative that comes out of this air, right? That's the way I think, and it's like magic. I, I think about it that way. I'm I'm not a technical photographer as such, you know. I mean, the camera to me is just it's part of your heart. It's it's just helping you to tell the story. It's a pen when that a writer uses or or whatever, you know. It's extracting magic out of the air, uh, and you, you you've got to have a fascination 
with whatever you're doing as an artist, but that still image that makes people stop and go, oh, my God, look at that. Will you, will you look at that? Um, that's what I strive for. I think it's lovely that you can call the babies by their names. And I, I want to ask you, I mean, like you must have, as I said earlier, you must have photographed you know, thousands of babies. Have any of them kept in touch or got in touch with you later on in life and go, hi, Anne, I'm the, per- I'm the baby you interviewed in the lily. I'm the baby that you interviewed in the plant pot. Have they kind of, and, and have they asked you to re- uh, photograph them when they're older, not interviewed? Well, they get in touch with me. In fact, I was doing a series for a while, and I maybe should start it again, um, called Baby Look at You Now, um, when they, you know, for instance, one of the cabbage twins, um, uh, the recent grant, the little cabbages, cabbage guys, um, he sent a picture of him sitting on the beach with his daughter, Hello. his baby girl, you know. So a lot of them have had babies and they send photos of the babies and it's nice to to stay in touch, you know. It's really lovely when they say, um, and, and they do all doing such amazing things, you know. One's a, a ballerina and, and people have got all their university degrees and they're off doing, you know, their own careers and they come back and tell me, you know, what they're up to today. And I have posted some of them, I must get back to that, on, on my Instagram um, if people have a look, you know. Yeah, um, and, and it's just lovely to see them as they are today. I know you 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 love children and uh, the love of babies and the innocence comes through shining through your images, which presumably accounts for your fantastic, well deserved success. And I know you also care passionately about child abuse and neglect, and you've set up the Geddes Philanthropic Trust. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, well, um, with my very first calendar in New Zealand, um, we were um, in touch with a woman who uh, was very active and successful in in the charity world over there, Sarah Fay. And um, she had decided that she wanted to help raise money towards the prevention of child abuse and neglect and was telling us that um, doors were being closed to her uh, where you know previously these companies would be like oh child cancer you know so it's all it, which is a wonderful charity obviously right but as soon as it was child abuse and neglect they're like oh no it's a bit icky you know we don't really want to go there right and in those early days you couldn't even mention child abuse on television over there and I was just quite shocked by this right and so I said to Sarah hey I'm about to do a calendar why don't you hold on to my coattails and we'll, you know, maybe raise awareness of child abuse. And unbeknownst um, to me, uh, I found out around that time that one of my sisters had been um, horribly abused in the small country school where we uh, attended um, by the head teacher for two years. And um, she was eight and nine years old. Um, she told my mother about it, and my mother looked at her and said, "If you ever speak about this again, I'll tell your father." Which was enough to keep a little girl quiet into her forties. Um, and it it just sort of came out around that time, and and I was completely shocked. So that made us even more determined, you know, to. Um, help raise awareness. Everybody, regardless of whether they know this or not, knows somebody 
who has suffered abuse as a child. And it's coming out more and more these days, you know. I mean, there was a big royal commission in Australia, for instance, just before we left, you know, talking about, um, you know, how it's all hidden through the systems, the, the church and the education system. And, and, and actually when they announced the royal commission um, on the news the, the first night, um, my sister called me and she said, can you hear that noise? And I said, what noise? And she said, a whole lot of shredders. So what does the next decade hold for you then, Anne? Well, the next decade, you know, I'm quite enjoying doing um, projects that are raising awareness, you know, for instance, of um, uh, prematurity. You know, I work with much of Dimes here in the US and I've also done three campaigns raising awareness of meningococcal disease uh, worldwide. And, you know, it's just been really... Uh, wonderful to work with families, you know, who are going through this sort of thing. And we made some lovely friends and through that, you know, just having more of an appreciation for, um, you know, the way things you you have to deal with life, you know, Uh, photographing a little five-year-old girl, for instance, in the UK uh, with no arms and no legs, you know. Um, So, you know, raising awareness of the fact that there now is um, a vaccine for um, meningitis and and that sort of thing is you know it's it's really nice and I think to for me to have built a reputation over the years where families trust me to do this sort of work because you know for instance it's a big call to uh, for instance have if you have a little child under those circumstances to put them forward in a campaign uh, you know to to tell the world about what happened that you know you you have to really think that you're making that choice for the child. And and when people knew that I was doing it, they said, oh, of course, no, no, we'll be a part of it. Because I think they had a sense that I would treat all of these these children with huge respect, um, which is what I tried to do. That that's I'd, I'd like to do more of that sort of work. And fantastic that you're using your talent and gift to highlight fantastic causes. So if you had one sentence to say to other women who were trying to paddle their own canoe and other such cliches, you know, who, who had a passion like you had all those years ago and they, they're not sure about how to go about it, what would you say to them? I'd say to them, have confidence in your story, right? Don't let anybody try to tell your story for you, right? If And you've got to have a unique story. You, you can't be, and it's, for instance, you know, in in any profession at all, it needs to come from within yourself. And and particularly these days, authenticity is key. It's absolutely key because there's so much rubbish out there, you know, um, on Instagram and filters and nobody knows what's real anymore. If you can tell your own original story in whatever profession you're in, that's key to it right now. And Geddes has been an absolute pleasure. I could talk to you for hours, but sadly I have to let you go. No, it's been a pleasure as well. 
Anne Geddes, I can definitely say that you have been there, done that. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you for listening to Been There, Done That with me, Susan Osman. Visit us on btdtshow.com for more interviews with dynamic women. And I'd love to hear from you as well. So please leave us a review and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. These are words of respect. How can you tell when you're really in love? And look how flaky it is. The girls weigh each portion of food they select. The Been There, Done That show is brought to you by Dan Hall at Pup Media Consultancy. We can still have a lot of fun, can't we? Your manners are showing. I'm a princess. Mabel loves cooking and does it well. Overweight makes an individual undesirable. Lovely stockings. And you think that's all that matters?